Welcome to the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider, the podcast where we pull back the curtain and speak to the brains behind sales and marketing activity that has delivered real results. Get inspired and get actionable ideas by hearing what they did and how they did it. Brought to you by me, Ben Rose, along with Gorilla Technology. Welcome to another episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. I'm your host, Ben Rose, and today we're speaking to Gareth Codd, Acting Commercial Director at MediaWorks New Zealand. Before joining MediaWorks in 2019, Gareth spent two years running his own consultancy business, Sales Velocity, working with SMEs to develop their sales and marketing capabilities and organisation design, among other things. Prior to that, he spent 25 years in the media industry in executive and senior management roles in New Zealand and the UK. Gareth's career began in Wales in the circulation department of the Western Mail and Echo, the country's national newspaper. He moved to New Zealand in 2001 and became the regional manager of the Southland Times' Queenstown office, which included managing The Mirror, the company's free weekly publication in central Otago. His most recent role before starting his own business was commercial director at Fairfax Media, now Stuff, where he was responsible for designing and implementing the largest sales transformation in the company's history with excellent results. Thanks for joining us, Gareth. Thank you, Ben. Pleasure to be here. So, have I, have I, have I covered it off? Have I missed anything important? No, I think that's a really good summary. So, so your background, um, so largely, largely media um, and in, in sales teams? Yeah, sales and marketing and uh, regional management, really. Okay, and yeah. what, so what, what was it that sort of attracted you to that side of the business? How did you start off? Um, well, I've always found sales, you know, really, really interested. I'm a people person, so it was a great way to meet different personalities, but also uh, really interested in different businesses and what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, from a, from a media perspective, how we used to connect, uh, how we connect those customers with our audiences always intrigued me. So, so when, so back in the day when you when you first started out, did you go straight into a sales role or start elsewhere? Uh, I actually started as a van driver delivering the newspaper. Good, <laughs> and then and then moved into uh, classified sales, so phone sales um, yeah, in the very early days of Thompson newspapers. And in inbound sales was that or inbound, Well, today we would call it inbound sales. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. So what what made you decide to go into sales? Um, oh, look, there was, than, a, there was yeah. an opportunity. My family were all in media, so they were right. in the business as well. And a cousin of mine uh, was, um, he was a sales director for the Western Mail and Echo. Um, and it just, you know, I'd listen to the stories, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, of, of the different relationships he'd built and the different sales he'd closed. And it just felt like it was me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so looking back, back then um, versus now, so lots has happened to the industry, to sales. So how, how have media sales changed over that time, would you say? Um, look, I think it's very much moved, even though relationships are you know, still, still key mm-hmm. and really important, important, it's kind of moved from um, what I would say um, spray and pray approach, if you like, mm-hmm. you know, as many calls as you possibly can yeah. in order yeah. to close that sale. Yeah. Uh, and probably, you know, the media market has changed. You know, newspapers used to be at that time, um, they were dominant in the market. They were almost yeah. monopolies, especially in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was quite an easy sell. And, you know, things changed dramatically uh, with, you know, the news being available on the web. But in 2008, you um, the GFC forced businesses to look very, very differently at their marketing spend. Yeah, yeah. So, so salespeople's role changes in, in, in through that period. Oh, significantly so. I think that you know it's become much more competitive. Um, many, many different channels to market. Yeah. Uh, you know, both traditional and, and new media. 
um, and just so many more people in the game, you know. So you've really got to be on top of your game in yeah, order to, yeah. one, serve the customer correctly and get their results, but also you've got to be across so many different channels and understand how they all interact together. So, so how do you how do you find the right people? Because I think one of the things that, you know our listeners often face is hiring salespeople. It's quite hard to know when you've got a good one or the right one. Mm. So, so I suppose how do you, how do you approach that for your business? Well, I, I think you know, firstly, you know, how somebody walks into the room and holds themselves when they, when they're in that interview process, there's there's a natural connection mm-hmm. uh, and upbeat and passion. But I think what I, what I find, especially in smaller businesses, and having worked with quite a few through my consultancy uh, time, is the good old fashioned role play. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we don't tend to do that anymore. It's a back and forth, you know, kind of almost like a tennis match full of questions. Yes, yeah. Whereas just, you know, I'm a f- true believer of pro- provide some upfront material for the, sale, for, the, for the person coming into the interview to prepare for. So even if it's a basic presentation or a sales pitch, so you're not throwing it on them in the, meet- in the actual interview itself, but give them an opportunity to structure and build out a presentation to you because mm. that behavior will kind of predict future behavior yeah, yeah it's almost like you're trying to you're helping them succeed rather than trying to catch them out 100 yeah. percent, and then you'll know whether that that person is the right fit for your business so what have you learned i suppose over the years thinking about hiring salespeople, what have you what have you learned to look for and what have you learned to i suppose avoid oh look i, I that, that's a that's a good question i think that um in terms of what i look for is definitely <clears throat> Passion and, and, and you know usually previous sales experience, mm. but don't get locked into the fact that you need somebody within your industry. I think it's good sometimes to bring fresh blood in uh, fr- from different industries which have had different experiences, different understanding of different sectors. So I look for diversity of background mm. and then consistency of performance, I suppose, and some innovation in their thinking. That's really interesting because you know, in an industry like media, there's a, you know, there's there's a lot to know, but I suppose you know, also so time for trying new approaches. So it's it's interesting to think about you know where you find those those people. Yeah, I, I suppose that you know you, you definitely need a number of media uh, people with experience in media, mm. but I think that you know we you can. Um, get locked into doing the same things and expecting different results. So I think bringing in that new thinking and understand yeah. the challenges in different sectors yeah. uh, and how they approach sales or different tra- different types of training and closes and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. opening uh, questions and, and also the research in terms of insights of the, the businesses you're trying to bring into your your portfolio, uh, I think you, know, you learn off each other. So let's let's talk about that. So we're talking about B two B sales here. Mm-hmm. Um, you're selling to another business. What's I suppose what would be the you know the process that you've learned over the years is the right one to go through to, to to really you know build that relationship and get that sale. Well, I suppose in its simplest form is prepare for that sale. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more um, annoying or I suppose disappointing to me when a salesperson comes to me and says, "Tell me about your business." Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in this day and age where you've got social media, websites, LinkedIn, mm. there is so much you can find out about that business before actually working, walking through the door. You know, so start the conversation at a different, a different, um, a different, I suppose, part of that cycle. Yes. You know, we all know now that um, 
whether it's B2B or B2C, that um, the buyer is so much more, uh, you know, further through their sales cycle mm. that you tend to be straight into the price or cost discussion yep. rather than finding the insights which will actually build out a solution. So yep. preparation is key. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, if you're running a sales team, consistent methodology. Now, that's hard with salespeople because we tend to go off-piste or yes. we, we, we do tend to find the fastest way the water flows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But without consistency of methodology and process, and it hasn't got to be sophisticated, mm-hmm. it's very hard to benchmark and measure who's a successful person and who's not mm-hmm. and take the insights from those winners, if you like. So, 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 what's the best way? You know, what's the best way to go to go about that for a small business where maybe a founder's been doing sales and they yeah. don't, you know, they're, they're building a sales team. What's the best way to build the right sales process for them? I, I think um, unless you've come from a sales background, then ask for help. Yeah, look for help. Look for there's plenty of organisations out there. Um, obviously, the growery for one that you know, you're bringing expertise from uh, from people you know into the business from people which have actually worked with either large organizations or in sophisticated sales organizations and there's no reason that an SME can't have that same process yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you know uh, time and time again uh, when I was working in a consultancy by bringing in uh, clear process clear measurement clear attribution points mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we saw consistent growth and quite accelerated growth so, so that's something I'm keen to um, explore with you. So, so you've you know you've brought um, processes and systems into into large businesses, large sales teams. Mm. So, um, can can we talk about um, I suppose what is a CRM? What's the role of a CRM, and why is it or is it a good thing? Uh, no, I'm I'm a huge advocate of CRMs, but I think we just need to be very. I secretly knew what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I think the key thing is to remember, though, with any, any CRM or any technology you bring into a sales and marketing organisation, it's just an enabler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so if you don't change or shape the behaviour in a way that is positive for your business and your yep. customer, then you've just really spent a lot of money on an asset which is not going to give you any benefit. Okay. So I look at a, a CRM uh, or uh, think about an, a CRM as an institutional memory. Of your customer, okay. Um, so, but it's also there as a and tool. Sorry, sorry for that. So, for those sorry. who haven't used one before, what what does a CRM do? So, a CRM, it, 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 customer relationship management, in its simplest form, but it basically holds all the records of your customer, the transactions, right the way from you know. Uh, the business address through to the key contacts, yep. their purchase history, um, what what they've interacted with. If you're using any type of uh, email uh, newsletters mm-hmm. or or any type of social feed, so we can then start to look at what is that customer interacting with, how they engage with us, and what's their historical spend. Which you know, even in, in, in a smaller business, can also predict where you go in terms of product or future sales. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But as you're building out your CRM, I kind of work on the the tool, not a rule mm-hmm. methodology. That mm-hmm. when you're building your CRM out, and it doesn't matter if you have two people or two hundred people, is build it from your customer back. So customer okay. people process technology. Customer so, people process, process technology. technology. Okay. So technology, as I said, is the enabler. So mm-hmm. everything should mm-hmm. be built using those three steps. How do you start with the customer? Uh, you know, over the years, what are some ways that you've used to, to understand what your customers are looking for? Um, well, I think you know, it, it's, it's probably slightly easier in a large organization because you have more data yes. and more conversations that yeah. you can start to, to, to dig into. But it's, you know, it, it's good old face-to-face sales. Uh, and, and in today's, uh, just today's day and ages, you know, sales and marketing organizations need to be joined at the hip. 
So it's it, uh, from a from a media perspective, it's talking to your customer in different forms, whether it's social questionnaires, uh, even tracking where you know people are getting to in terms of your newsletters mm. and what they're holding on to, yeah. um, and, and and being in market and looking at trends. What what is a yeah. certain industry uh, looking for in terms of their marketing? Uh, um, uh, plan or strategy. It's interesting. We spoke to Dion Nash a little while ago, and he was talking about just hanging out in department stores and checking Correct. out what people are looking at in terms of products. Uh, 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 absolutely uh, great idea. I mean, and you know, it takes me back to we were dealing with a very large retailer um, and um, responding to a, a significant advertising brief. Right, right. Uh, and um, we did some research on the online uh, help tool, and. When we went into the uh, into the retailer to pitch, it was kind of a it, it was a bit of a nervous moment because we had to tell the the retailer that what they were wanted us to provide in terms of response to pitch actually didn't match their customer experience online or oh, in store. Wow! Wow! And uh, I asked whether it was possible for a couple of our strategists to actually go and work in that department store for two to three days. Did you with with their uh, with their salespeople? That's cool. We did have to temper some of the feedback that we got <laughs> from, from the ground floor, if you like. Yeah. But really, um, from the, what was great about that, when we brought it back and talked about what we found and how we think they needed to start in terms of the strategy rather than at, you know, more at the beginning and the end, yes. they actually provided us with their full two-year marketing plan. Oh wow! Because all of a sudden we'd bought in as a you know a real partnership. Well, you're a strategic partner, aren't strategic, you? Not just a, you know, yeah. a seller yeah. of a, a solution. Yeah. Yes. That's really interesting. Mm. That's really interesting. Wow. Well, look, so over the years, if you if you think about, you know, the years you've worked in, in the sales industry, I suppose, what, what would you see as some top tips for people to succeed when it, when it comes to sales? Look, I think you really need to understand the, the size of your addressable market. So what I mean by that is, you know, if you've got um, 100 customers and you operate in a certain sector, Understand how many people within your region, in your you know, if you're a national company within New Zealand, actually operate within that sector, mm-hmm. or, or or slightly outside of that sector, which would buy your product. Because yeah. until you actually know the real size of the market, you can't actually determine the opportunity, mm. and you know, um, and understand what sales coverage, and I mean, how many salespeople do you need, whether it's inside, outside, sales, in order to make the best of that opportunity. Okay. Um, and you know, there, and there's so many companies now which will sell those B2B data lists mm, that you mm. can get. But you know, Stats New Zealand will provide you the same thing for free yeah, 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 uh, yeah. as a starting point. Yeah. But unless you understand your addressable market, you don't really understand what the size of your revenue um, mm. opportunity is. Mm-hmm, mm. um, and then from there, um, understanding. And I, I always talk about don't use revenue as the only measure. Because okay. that's a very blunt measure. Mm-hmm. So you really need to understand the productivity and activity of your salespeople. So how many people, active customers, do they engage with on a monthly basis? Mm-hmm. So when I say active customers, unique customers that they have to either sell to or build out a, propo- a proposition for uh, or engage with uh, on a monthly basis. And then ask yourself, does that feel right mm-hmm. is it too high yeah and they're not yep. servicing people properly or is it too low and if it's too low what is the benchmark for your business in terms of active accounts yeah and then look at so if i wanted to get to a 10 percent or 20 percent penetration to that overall addressable market yes how many people do i need 
or what is the productivity level do I need to increase to in order to um, make a good dent into that market? If isn't, you like. isn't there a bit of a risk, though, if you, if you measure activity and not revenue that you end up with you know people filling busy time but not generating oh i think uh, so sorry that they're in they're in unison Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you might so so if i give you an example you know um you might find a salesperson is dealing with a uh, a million dollars worth of revenue a year but if they've only got two customers right right, the productivity is pretty low now that that might be right for the type of sale and sales cycle Mm. and sophistication but that's up to you to determine gotcha so you need to look at Revenue and activity, yeah, um, and is that sales activity? Yeah, yeah. What about um, what you've learned about salespeople, the types of people? You know, what 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 are some things you've learned how, about how to manage pe- salespeople effectively? Because they're you know we're a unique breed. We are. Uh, I think um, like motivation and culture is absolutely key to salespeople. Um, so building. Um, I think it's a safe environment where people are happy to talk uh, talk about challenges and yep. opportunity. Yeah. But I think you know, and, and I still think it's true today that you, you have got the hunter and the farmer, mm-hmm. uh, and somewhere you know sometimes you have that lucky mix of hunters and farmers. Yeah. But I think you just need to look at what what is the right person for the right role. Yeah. Yep. So large accounts, obviously, you know, able to build that revenue more organically mm. on a relationship basis. Yep. Where a hunter is really after the close, yeah, yeah, and yeah. traditionally not that good at looking after organic mm-hmm. growth. So, I think you know they're two very different types of salespeople. Yeah, yeah, um, and both is effective. And and looking at you know looking at marketing, I suppose from a salesperson's point of view, what have you what have you learned about how sales and marketing work together? Well, it's, it's quite surprisingly, and, and I'm sure you found this as well, Ben, that. Uh, in a number of cases, they don't. No, uh, and, it's unbelievable. Know, and, isn't it? I, and I think now sales and marketing are almost the same department. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and we work very, very closely with our marketing departments, and, mm. we, and we did when I was at um, at Stuff. Uh, I mean, they are our, our eyes and ears of the market. Yeah. But also, you know, in in in, in the new form of marketing, uh, they're our lead generators for for a lot yeah. of business. Uh, and, and you know, great great tools that you can now score those leads on. You know, the probability of closing, and, and people think that's just for large businesses, but you can actually do it pretty cheaply from a from a small business perspective as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting for people thinking about setting up that function. You know, if you were starting from scratch, would you create two different departments, or would you actually, you know, put no. them in the same place? I'd probably have one leader mm. uh, looking after both, yeah. uh, which has worked in both uh, both both areas. Because I think that you need that credibility of understanding your marketing is a sophisticated machine. Yep. Um, yep. But it's also having that great. Um, you know that tension, if you like, about you yeah. know w- what is it that uh, salespeople actually need in terms of insight to sell, or have yes. we have we engaged that customer correctly? Uh, where are they on that buying cycle? Yeah, uh, so yeah, we can yeah. match the sales cycle. So uh, you know we, we we work hand in glove, really. So one of the one of the, the 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 differences I think often between marketing and salespeople is a bit of a um, misunderstanding of what sales really is, and it's seen as a bit grubby and a bit dirty mm. and that sort of thing. So I'm quite I'm keen to understand your point of view on on that because it's a you know I, I found it's a myth that salespeople often face, and lots of people don't want to get involved in sales for that mm. reason. What what are your thoughts around? You know, perceptions of sales and sales you know. has changed so much you know even in the 25 30 years that I've been involved it's mo- it's it's moved from a craft if you like almost to a mixture of uh, craft and science mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's now much more data led much more insight led so you know it's pretty it's a pretty sophisticated role these days because mm-hmm. it's unlikely that your business only has one channel to market or one product or yeah. one competitor yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. you know 
if I if I relate it back to to media, um, it wasn't that long ago that we were selling um, a space on a on a page in a newspaper, and that was the only channel or a spot yep. on radio. Yep. Yep. Uh, and today, you know, you could be talking about twelve or thirteen different products across seven channels. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, not always for more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know, you need to understand how all those channels interact. And you know, in today's day and age as well, it's about that attribution. Has my has my marketing spend resulted in an ROI? Mm. Um, so you've got to have all those different kinds of conversations. Um, so, so more I, accountability. Oh, hugely so, hugely so. And, and, and you know, um, people are time poor. Mm. And, to, and people are much more uh, customers are much more educated than they ever were before they've got so much information at their fingertips that they can find out about your business your competitor the products the price so you know it, it's almost you know when you if you use that uh, translation into into automotive if you like I think you know 10 15 years ago the average visits to a yard was around seven to buy a car right, right, now right. it's about 1.2 or something because mm-hmm. so they've already done all their research they've done the research yeah, so yeah, they yeah. know exactly what car what color and it's all about the price, which is a hard sales conversation. Mm. So does that make um, that make salespeople better, have to be better at what they do? I think they have to be more considered and more prepared. Um, okay, the, okay. the art of, you know, the conversation and yeah. looking and listening, most importantly, to the sales triggers mm. uh, in order to, to, to move towards the sales close or the yeah. partnership um, is still required and it's yeah. still a people business. But I think that, you know, you need to be far more prepared and and, and well uh, educated in your customers' business. So why why do some people love it and some people hate it? Oh look, it's a it's a challenging role. You know, it's it's kind of you love and hate it in the same day quite often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think you know sometimes inside sales is harder than field sales because you're dealing with people across the phone, which it's much easier to to, to put the phone down or mm, or walk mm. away from the conversation. You haven't got the facial expressions to see the sentiment. There are tools today which can help you with that, but it, it is resilience required. So yeah, you know yeah, you yeah. have a great day, a great week, and then you might have a really str- you know struggling week where one of your largest customers decides to move a campaign or pull a campaign. Mm, mm. So yeah, it's a tough old game. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I, because I, I I've been surprised over the years at the types of people who absolutely love it and absolutely hate it. And it seems like one of those industries where people arrive for a while and then they they know pretty quickly if it's for them. But if they love it, they're you know then they're they're, they're like hen's teeth. Yeah, and I think I think you know you just need to make sure that your induction process for salespeople is robust. Uh, and you know, people need to understand the product. Mm. They need to understand your process, yeah, your yeah. types of customers, and um, you know, check to see whether you're happy with your induction process because there's a high correlation between poor induction and high turnover. Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. sales. So I think you know, you need to set people up properly from the beginning. Actually, just in the last episode, Richard Conway at Pure SEO was talking about how they 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 kept thinking they were hiring the wrong salespeople, and they realised actually it was all about the training and the tools that they were giving them. Hundred percent, because you'll find that um, salespeople uh, will naturally move to a peer for support and training. Well, if if that person hasn't been trained correctly, then Mm. you're just breeding bad behaviour by bad behaviour or poor insights by poor insights. So what have you learned over the years about how to incentivize salespeople? What what are some things you've got right and got wrong over the years? Um, usually, you know you've got it wrong if the salespeople a person says to you, "That's great, thanks very much," <laughs> <laughs> as you present the new scheme. Yeah, <clears throat> I look, I'm I'm a big believer. Um, 
in incentives. Now, it's quite interesting. There's lots of different research coming out where a number of businesses are moving away from incentive schemes um, for different reasons. You know, does it drive the right or wrong behavior? Um, Excuse me. Uh, and others are moving back to the old commission model, 100% right. commission, right, right, right. Uh, which is interesting, especially in, you know, there's, uh, there's some interesting research on that in, in the States. I think um, th- th- you really need to understand what is the cost of sale in order of how to design that scheme. Yep. But what is going to motivate your salespeople? I always believe that uh, incentive schemes should be life-changing. So they really need to be motivational um, in order to keep that person really, really motivated to get the next dollar. But at the same time, and this is the conflict of designing the scheme, that it's still in the best interest of your customer. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, we're not mm-hmm. just closing for the sake of closing. It is yes. based on solutions. So you know, also measuring things like customer um, retain customer um, value, but also uh, customer lifetime value versus churn yes. and measure yeah. customer churn. Measuring those type of things to understand, you know, as as a person who who's actually you know doing really really well out of the incentive scheme, what does their portfolio look like over a period of time? Yeah, yeah. You know, is yeah. there a stat? You know, the, the, a base number of customers which are really happy with that that person and mm. are they bringing new businesses on and growing them rather than bringing new businesses on losing business growing yeah, new yeah, on, yeah, business yeah, yeah. on losing business and and do you favor a you know a, a, re, a decent base and a, and a smaller commission or a lower base and a higher commission or does it depend on the situation i think it does depend on the business and, and the sophistication i mean uh, it, it all depends on the sector really mm-hmm, uh, you know mm-hmm. some some business uh, models and sectors are based on a higher base a lot based on the knowledge or the technical knowledge you right, need for right, that right. product and other other businesses are very much traditionally lower base high commission okay so over the years you've you've had you know you've had quite sizable teams in-house you've worked with partners out out, out of out of the business where do you think it's best to focus resource inside a business versus using partners externally okay so if you've got the capability internally yeah. Then in, it's it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you keep those uh, solutions in source. Uh, h- however, I suppose I always look at and and uh, trying to balance what is the value of that process to the customer. So you know, is a customer going to be happy that you've retained this process in, internally, but the, perhaps the price of your product slightly higher? Right, right, right. So yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Th- that, that's a tension as well. But I think if you haven't got the capability. Um, and in today's day and age where things are moving so fast and we have competitors come in or new startups, mm-hmm. in order to gain momentum, you can save so much time and, um, uh, and effort and, and gain quicker successes by outsourcing um, that part of your business or bringing people in to help you grow. And I think you know, the most important thing that I tried to, uh, to focus on when I was consulting was passing my IP to the customer. Mm. So making sure that you know, they were growing. It yes, just wasn't yeah, a paycheck yeah. for me every month because yes. I didn't see that as success. It was more that uh, I would look for changes in the language in conversation. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Was the narrative changing with the marketing leader or with the CEO uh, to ensure that they were grasping what we were bringing uh, to that organisation. So it's not. So it's not just outsourcing IP. Actually, you're bringing IP into the business. I think that's that the most important part because otherwise you're continually paying mm-hmm. to have that IP come to the business. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, if you're going to invest, um, um, and and I think you know, in a lot of cases, rightly so, in an external um, business coming in to help you, mm. make sure that you suck them, yeah, <laughs> suck yeah, them yeah, dry yeah, of yeah. that IP. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. 
let's let's have a talk about um, I suppose some specific times in your career. Let's talk about stuff um, or Fairfax as it was or, or, or MediaWorks. So you've implemented quite big transformations in terms of the way those sales teams are operating. Can you talk just talk me through one one of those examples and just give me a bit of insight into kind of you know what what the the, the gig was and and the differences you made and kind of how you did it. Well, I think um, so. I'll go, I'll go to uh, Fairfax. We're in the middle of the, the process uh, with MediaWorks. Yeah. But I think, look, we, we had a, uh, a significant business challenge. Uh, print media was in structural decline, um, and digital media wasn't, you know, just wasn't going to pay the bills. Mm. Uh, but also our, our sales and marketing functions were still heavily focused on the on the print product. Right, right. We also had no real idea of salespeople's activity or what they were up to. All we knew about our customers yeah. is what they bought. Wow, and okay. we only knew about the customer uh, once they'd actually closed the sale. So we had no idea of the pre-sale, the process going through the sale, how the conversations were going. Mm. Where it's really case. interesting because from outside you would assume, oh, they've got all that. They'll know all mm. that stuff. It's, it's interesting. And, I, and you know, um, and I'm sure you've experienced this, Ben, is that sometimes the larger the organization, the less technology they have. Yeah, yeah. But it, from the outside looks mm. great. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's got a lovely frontage. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yep. But inside it's a lot of hamsters on a wheel. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, right. So I think, you know, for us there was no CRM. Mm. Um um, there was no way of benchmarking sales teams to understand good or bad. Yeah, um, right. So our business challenge set by the CEO, Simon Tong, at that time was uh, we needed 60% uh, digital revenue growth compound for three years. Wow. So wow. nothing like a grunty goal to get no, you motivated. No, no, no. Um, I, I bet you didn't sleep very well. Oh, no, no. It was many, many months of anxiety. Yeah. Um, but look, he was, he, he, he was a great motivator and it was a great challenge to have a lofty goal. Yeah. Um, but that for us really, uh, as, a, as a management team, made us sit back, look at the capabilities and competencies mm. we had today. What did we need? Mm. You know, what was the opportunity in terms of digital? Because we also had two la- rather large businesses, one especially Google, quite yep, good at what yep, they do yep, yep, as, a com- good. <laughs> <laughs> as a competitor. Uh, so what was our unique sales proposition? Yep. And how did we transform our teams to become solution sales, not just one channel sales? Okay. So okay. that that That's was quite a big shift. That was a big big shift. So, um, and look, it was it was a two to three year process, um, and during that time, again, using the same methodology, customer, people, process, technology, what was the size of the markets that we operated in? How much penetration in terms of customers did we have into that market? Mm. What did our customers look like? Was there more of them that we could buy? Uh, bring on board and then what was the process who was using digital who was using print who was using radio and then slowly uh, working through you know transformation is a a pretty ugly word these days so you know we try try not to talk about transformation maybe evolution is a Mm -hmm. better term Mm -hmm. Um, but it was actually working uh, with a large number of stakeholders in the business which I think is very important so you start off with a small team and then slowly bring more stakeholders in across that sales organisation to get buy into the change because you're, you're you're affecting a massive cultural change it was change, about 400 people I think at that time three to 400 and people and just changing the whole way they're thinking about 100%, 100%. what they're doing it was like starting with a white piece of paper basically yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so you know it's all about the why mm-hmm. uh, and having a clear succinct story that everybody from the receptionist through to uh, the CEO could understand you know what you were trying to achieve yeah um, and I believe in you know pilots pick a pilot site which um, we picked a pilot site which had everything that we needed mm-hmm. in terms of customer mix customer type uh, sophistication from you know business I mean in, in, at that time around 85% of our businesses were spending less than four thousand dollars a year 
So we had a huge long wow. tail. Can you say that number again? It's about eighty-five percent of our businesses were spending uh, less than three to five thousand dollars a year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, wow. So, you so know, understanding who those are and who is spending more so yeah. important. And, and make, you know, for, for us, it was uh, they, these were a hugely important group of customers because you know newspapers and, and media companies, radio as well, you know, were were absolutely embedded in the local communities. Mm, so mm. we are their source of connecting to their audience, absolutely all their right. customers. Yeah. Um, however, what we were finding is. The same salespeople who were dealing with a three to four thousand uh, dollar customer was also dealing with a four hundred thousand right, dollar customer. Right, so right. their time was split. Mm. It was conflicting, but very different conversations. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we had to look at different structures to to kind of give the best service to both, and also look at the cost of sale. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, working yeah. through that process, uh, and then you know implementing the change program. Um, and I believe if you're going to implement uh, a technology like a CRM in order to understand you know, your, your, your sales productivity and activity along with your revenue and forecasting, mm-hmm. is people need to be trained. You have a duty as an employer to train these people. Uh, and, and only, if nothing else, <laughs> is to get the ROI back on the investment that you've just yep. spent. Yep. So, you know, our methodology is very much about uh, everybody's trained from the CEO, CFO down to telesales. Great. And if you want to use the uh, the CRM, you need to be certified. So after mm-hmm. your three to four mm-hmm. days training, um, you sit uh, three uh, assessments. And it's not about failing the assessment. It's about, you know, you have to get 80%. But it's understanding where people are perhaps struggling compared to others and then bringing those people up to the 80%. So everybody's at the same benchmark. But it also means everybody in the business then, it's it's all transparent. I can see what's happening, who's doing what. 100%. And, and you know, terminology is the same across mm-hmm. from the CEO to, yeah, to the yeah, salesperson. Yeah. So it's one language really. Yeah, but right. it, it just it just means then that, you know, and, and the other thing we always do uh, is you tie your incentive to the CRM. So if it's not in the CRM, it doesn't exist, as far mm. as I'm concerned, because mm. you can't measure part of the revenue. It, yeah, that, that, that's re- I think that's really important, isn't it? Because then you know the IP is owned by the business. So if something happens to that individual, then the business still retains the information, the data, you know, the relationship. Hundred percent. And then, you know, back to the institutional memory of your customer. Yes. You haven't got those jarring conversations when an account, new account manager comes on, and we're starting right at day zero. We yeah, should yeah, have all yeah. that information in order to have a seamless handover. So I think you know, but that really comes back to you know, that sounds like the stick. Mm, uh, mm. A CRM uh, and implementation around any transformation is about the carrot and the why. So you do need one stick, um, but I think it's about you know that's building that CR- the CRM out. So you know as much automation as you possibly can. Make it easy for the salespeople. I mean, in today's uh, world, you can actually um, uh, take down the notes if you like for, from that conversation or opportunity by voice. So you can record that as you're walking towards the car, goes into the opportunity file. So you're taking away, because you know, we're not very good at admin uh, salespeople, we'd rather no, move on to the next thing. Amazing. So keeping us focused on one thing is, is quite hard, so yeah, yeah, yeah. making it easy. And did the salespeople at Fairfax, did it make a difference to them? Huge, look, well, we didn't quite get to Simon's goals, but we, you know, we were in the 50s, 50% growth. Yeah, awesome. Um, and you know, obviously the market grew as well, so mm-hmm. that was becoming more challenging. But what was interesting, we also uh, had um, market share highs within print. Wow. So wow. print came back yeah, yeah, um, yeah. as part of the mix. So yeah. it just gave a, a really uh, tight 
uh, focus to the sales organization and purpose. Um, but also, you know, the benefits for, for our sales leaders was that, you know, we could basically run um, a revenue, the whole revenue conversation for the business in an hour and a half because mm. all the data was there. So it was a good time saving. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Gareth, this this has been really helpful. I think I think what what this points out to our to our listeners is that you know sales isn't all about gut and you know intuition. Actually, actually, there's a lot that you can do to increase your chances of, of conversion. And there's you know there are some systems and processes out there that you don't need to reinvent to to help you do that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think you know if you've got that capability in the business, absolutely start to think about that. And if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. The old adage. Mm, uh, mm. But if you haven't got it, reach out to somebody yeah, uh, and, and bring that capability in. Brilliant. All right, look, Gareth. Thank you. Um, this this has been this has been a great conversation. Look to to end our time today. I'd be really keen on understanding um, if there was a single piece of advice that you could give our listeners that they could take away in action tomorrow. What would what would that piece of advice be? Start on the journey. Uh, that's always hard, but really understand your market, your rep productivity. Uh, and one other piece, understand what is not re- revenue generating. So how much administration peop- are, are people actually doing which are impacting on their time in market? And then um, really bring your marketing and sales function together. Or if you haven't got a marketing function, get one. Awesome. Gareth, thank you. Thank really you. appreciate your time. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. If you liked it, you can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app for fortnightly episodes. For other great New Zealand podcasts, head over to podcasts.nz. And if it's IT expertise you're after, then make your way to gorillatechnology.com. See you next time.